Fantastic. All right. Well, I think we can kick off with a bang. So welcome, everyone, to the Architecture Social and Global Architects Alliance special, where today we're going to talk about all that you want to talk about and all that comes to mind about CVs and resumes. So last week, me and Jason talked about a starting point. How do you tackle the search? Because often you can kind of jump into it before you know you haven't got a plan and you're running around a bit crazy. So you don't want to do that. You want to have a plan. So check out that episode if you haven't heard it yet. But to me, um, what's important that we talk about today is the CV. Because to me, the CV is the most important document. If it was in terms of the body, body of the anatomy, the CV, in my opinion, is the skeleton. It's the core. It's the crux. So to use an architecture analogy, because this is architecture, it's the foundation. And as beautiful as that portfolio can be, the reality is that this CV is going to hold everything together. It's probably the first thing they're going to look at in terms of an employer. So today we're going to talk about some of the top tips to do as well as the things that you should avoid. And luckily, while I've worked in recruitment and I technically am a part two and have been a hiring manager, I'm also joined by someone who's been a job seeker and is a hiring manager himself. This is the fantastic Jason Boyle here. And I'm going to do a virtual round of applause for you. There you go, Jason. Thank you for being here. Jason. That wasn't much of an applause. Oh, do you not hear it? There you go. It was my soundboard. That's it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> Jason, <laughs> tell us about yourself and why, and, and maybe tell us about the CVs you see in your current job at the moment. Yeah, thanks, Stephen. So thank you for that introduction. So, yeah, I'm, I'm Jason Boyle. I'm... Um, I'm, I've been an architect for 22 years now, um, and I work um, for my sins. I work in the nuclear industry, and we do we do get a lot of um, CVs in. And I mean, for me, it's it it it's sort of a. It, I've got a lot of questions for you, Stephen, but it it's that clarity. I think this for, for the for, for our industry. You know, we want to see um, a well written. Um, spelling mistake free, um, but it's got to grab you. It's got to, you know, so this, this is the whole debate I want to have to you, you know, what, you know, what do you put on your CV? Mm -hmm. Do you put anything mm -hmm. to do with images on, or do you keep it very clean and, and sort of sparse? Most of right. the ones I get in, to be honest with you, are very, very sort of clean and, and then they, they link to a portfolio. So yeah, I am. Um, yeah, I, I see. I see quite a lot of CVs on it on a daily basis. Mm. Well, this is it, and so it's quite well. I, by nature, Clubhouse is audio, right? So I can't visually go through them. But together, I yeah. think me and you can bash out a few do's and don'ts. I mean, the first thing, and you're right. I I, I don't mind it. It's like we like people. They can be all. They can be beautiful in different shapes and forms and sizes. However, there's generally a few patterns which work. Right. The first thing is, I think a CV, when you're constructing it, probably, especially if you're early in the start of your career, you're going to be looking at one page, maybe two at a push. Right. So you want to keep it clear and concise. Generally, a CV, I don't think, should go more than two to three pages. Sometimes it can go a little bit longer if you're further in your career, but you should try not to be, you should try to keep it as clear and concise as possible. Because actually, in the interview, the, empl the employer, the interviewer can kind of go into these things. But especially if you start in your career, you want to keep the CV probably one to two pages in length. The other thing, if we're going to just talk about it, so we all imagine it in our heads. So if you're closing our eyes, you imagine what a CV is. So if we've, we've started off by saying it's one to two pages, I mean, truthfully, I think a CV should probably be A4 um in the uk so you know in the u.s letter size you don't and it can be horizontal or um 
it can be it can be vertical or landscape it's not it's not that big a deal it can go either way but it needs to be concise as well as that and if you bundle in your cv and portfolio i advise keeping them separate but what you don't want to do is have a cv and the pdf which is a four size and then portfolio which is a phrase you will need to be very concise with it and i think the word concise jason is quite important as well because what we don't want as well is mismatch of random stuff so you, you when you've got that page we've already established now the size which is probably going to be a4 the length which is probably going to be one to three pages something like that and then you're going to need to do the visual language in there so i always advise people to have a look at um, a font which isn't too wacky no one wants comic sans you know what i mean we don't work in the in the in the in the council i can get away with that because my mum worked in the council and all her documents were in comic sans but we don't work in the council we might might do have a little architecture department but let's break the mold you don't want any comic sans and i always advise people to google um minimalistic or a free fonts uh, or graphic design clean font something like that 2021 2022 you type the word in free chances are on google you're gonna find something which is really suitable then you have a clear font if in doubt you can use helvatica that's always a nice one but you want a clean font okay that's gonna make sense now as well bit of common sense here you don't want the text too small. You don't want the text too big. Now, nothing I'm saying here is provocative. Everything I'm saying should be quite straightforward, but you would be amazed at how it's easy to forget all this stuff. When you're designing that page and you're squeezing text in, suddenly you forget that your font is not very legible anymore. So keep a normal size font. And then the other thing is colors. Now, it sounds crazy, but, you know, it's always good, to, I think, to start with a white background. You can do colored backgrounds on CVs, but just bear in mind, if it's going to be printed, it might not print really well. And you're probably asking me what dinosaurs print CVs, but you would be amazed that some companies print them out. And even then, it could be a, um, a receptionist and him or her or they, they could totally get the wrong but it print a colored portfolio and CV in grayscale, and you really don't want to screw it up by having something which is illegible, you know. So the color combination is really important. So I always think that a white background is is fine, and you let the, the words and your images speak for themselves. And maybe I'll have a little interjection here, Jason. What do you think about what I've talked about, the length, the font? Do you agree? No crazy comic sans and stuff yeah. like that yeah I've, I've seen believe it or not i've seen some crazy fonts and uh and colors in my time and uh, you know my uh, i i personally my personal preference is i just prefer a white background um black text very yeah. very simple and minimal and yeah. the, the font level should be you know should be readable like you would on a on a sort of professional document i always go yeah yeah, I think so. And you'd be amazed at all the crazy things. The um, If you were happy with me to carry on for a bit, the su very subjective one, I think, is pictures. So it's kind of strange mm. because in one sense, on LinkedIn, we all have our profile pictures. So we're not hey, we're not hiding stuff. And they, even now on Clubhouse, I can see your picture, Jason, you can see mine. But it's interesting because on CVs, the risk on some sense, I've seen people being invited for interviews because of their pictures. Maybe they add to the charm. You think this person's engaging or whatever. But the worry I have with pictures is that you can open yourself up, if you're not careful, to unconscious biases yeah, um, in, in, in the higher, right? Because we're not in... Um, a perfect world and while i think the architecture industry is much more progressive than it used to be it doesn't mean and you've got a lot of amazing employers um sometimes people are prejudiced they don't they don't even know they're being prejudiced and that and, and unfortunately images can do that i think jason people make assumptions before even looking at the work and i think if in doubt probably leave the picture out because you can always then link to a LinkedIn profile or a website and maybe your pictures on there. But I think in the CV, you don't 
need that picture. I mean, what's your thoughts, Jason, as you think about pictures? Yeah, yeah. I, again, I get a mix of pictures and a mix of ones without pictures. And mm. I, I think I think pictures personally are an absolute no-no. Mm. You, I, I, I wouldn't do it. I mean, but, you, you, you know, you you can, like you say, I mean, the, the question I was going to ask, um, you know, it, it, it's, it might be a controversial one, but you know, what's the, point of a, what's the point of a CV when you've got LinkedIn? Ooh, that's very you know? controversial. There's, there's, so I, I, again, you'll know more than me, I think on this one, you know, yeah. you can't, you can't just rock up and send an email and say, there's, there's <laughs> a link, there's a link to my um, LinkedIn profile. But I think yeah. what people like yourself are doing they they go in when they're trying to find someone i know we're we're sort of mm. sending you know we're but we're doing this for like you know architectural people trying mm-hmm. to find their first job but i think it works it works the other way around now doesn't it when recruiters are they contact you through linkedin very good question i think yeah i think that the linkedin in one sense while it's a social platform and all this yada 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 and i think uh, linkedin is powerful actually linkedin you can there's a hidden function there where you can export your profile as a cv <laughs> so it's where you're going is it, it makes sense what you're on about now if you think about it in an abstract sense the further you are in your career the chances are the less you're going to be polishing your cv because all of your experience that you've done is basically your cv so for example jason you had if i remember correctly talking about an article on mission critical in the RABA and all that stuff and journal which is cool right but stuff like that in the future that's kind of like you being out there now if you were anything like me jason when you're starting um when i started i had no experience right so you've got to kind of construct that cv to get going and as well now you've got all those connections which are awesome but i think think about the amount of time mate that's gone into that and i think the way i would think about it is um the cv in the traditional sense we need to do now but in the future the more and more you put out there the point is like you're saying jason opportunities come to you so in the future um everyone here listening to this I think more opportunities are going to come to yourself. But if you maybe in the start of your career, that CV is kind of important because unfortunately, um, we're the, the architecture industry hasn't quite progressed to that level that you're on about my friend where, where people are just being approached on, on LinkedIn. I think in the recruitment sense where I'm paid for my time, uh, my time to find people in that role of course i'll approach people on linkedin and i'm not even worried about looking at a cv the cv's to give to the architecture practice but if you're submitting your cv if you if you're applying for a role to an architecture company they'll expect a pdf and i think that's the other interesting bit we can talk about on cvs because i see qr codes and they're kind of cool and i really think that qr coach jason you're kind of bridging that world you're talking about with like a linkedin profile or a website and the old pdf formula but um um, format but unfortunately with these qr codes most of the companies that i work with they don't even they don't even um click them half the time and i think oh yeah well maybe they do maybe they don't and that's the risk and the problem is imagine if they're reviewing five CVs for the job and some of the best work uh, or interesting information is on the QR code and the hiring manager hasn't got their phone or or they maybe they're reviewing them on the phone and they can't click on the QR code because it's on the phone, then you're, the chances you might lose that stuff. So the way I would advise is if you kind of get the basics of the CV right, then you can add all the cool, awesome tidbits on top. Uh, so that's my kind of thoughts on it. But what do you think about that then, Jason, what I was saying about when you're starting, you kind of got to get the CV out there to get opportunities. You've got to kind of hunt them rather than in the future being the one that's being chased, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It, it absolutely makes sense. And I think if you're starting out in your career, it's, you know, I, I struggled mm-hmm. with this um, about what, what, what do I put down as my work experience? 
when you maybe you've just finished your your degree, um, you know, I, I struggled with what to what to what to put down, and then I I I, I struggled I struggled so much. I'll I'll tell you this one for a fact. I wrapped my CV, which was printed off. I mean, I'm you know this is going back twenty two years ago, um, or more, in a beer can, and I sent it to practices. So they 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 had like a can of beer with my CV wrapped around it. And it it didn't work. Well, well, so I, I, I I was I was drinking a water then. It would have been funny if it was a beer, and I would have told you. But I can't. Well, how did it go down the beer? I mean, it could have gone either way, right? People open well, the beer. They, they they actually wrote back to me and thanked me for the um thanked me for the beer, but they just said you know we don't <laughs> currently, currently don't have any um currently don't have any projects um and you know we want someone with experience and that that is the problem isn't it with finding that first job <laughs> it's really critical about what you do put on your cv my goodness and, if i had a beer attached to every cv i go to in recruitment i would have to have a lot more tolerance than i do now Woof. but i think that's a heck of a way to get noticed and i think that's smart but um, what's interesting about, apart from you as a poor student going down to Tesco buying six pack of Fosters and losing them left, right, center, because architecture is tough. But what I like about that is that the CV's got to stand for itself, but then the the kind of the gimmick of the the, the beer it gets you noticed. But the truth is, you can get noticed. But if the CV isn't good, Jason, or it's very competitive, so I'm not saying your CV wasn't. Maybe my CV wasn't very good. You know? <laughs> okay. But, you know, all the beers in the world, if your CV is not good, my friend, doesn't get you very far, is it? And I'm, someone made me laugh with talking about the other day asking, oh, do I really need to do a CV if I can just go outside the architecture practice and play a song or hold the sign up? And I was thinking... That's like shows a bit of effort, but it's also, on the other hand, extremely unimaginative. As in, oh, I don't need to do a CV. I'll just go outside Jason's office and camp there for six hours. I reckon you'd be like, I really appreciate your effort, but A, you should go home. B, do you have your CV on you? And C, do you know Revit, right? <laughs> do you get it? Because the, the job... Oh, yeah, I do, I the, do. The job requirement's still the same, no matter if you camp out. And that's why why I think we're talking about this is it's all the tricks and tips that I've learned on CVs. Now, you don't have to follow everything I do like gospel. That you can. There's lots of things that I talk about that I that people do that still get awesome jobs. However, all the stuff I'm talking about today, getting the font right, having the length of the um, the document not too long, you would be amazed how many times I see, especially in the role of recruitment, where these little things stop the person getting an interview. And on that note. I've got another yeah. one here, if I can tell you, Jason. Go right? for it. The number one bugbear I see by clients is spelling mistakes. Some people can't get past yes. it. I mean, what's your thoughts on it? I'm quite forgiving, but I've some people. It can, it can. It's attention to detail, right? And you work in nuclear, so if is it like Homer yeah. Simpson? You drop something, it blows up. You know, well, yeah, it is. It's an absolute massive bugbear of mine. And mm. if I see a spelling mistake, it's like I can't. I just can't go any further. I'm sorry. You can't get um, past it. Ooh, I see, can't because I I can't because I think it just for me it shows that you haven't given due care and attention. And and this is the first you know this is the first experience mm. of that person um, sending it in. So I would I would definitely recommend getting someone else to proofread it. Um, putting it through a spell check yeah you know there's all sorts of you know, there's no excuse for me uh with a with a, with a spelling mistake oh oof. if my soundboard was working i would do the hammer but <laughs> we'll do the bell for now i i get it i get it i think that um for me it it doesn't mean it's the end of the world but it's an indicator it's a red flag like you said jason isn't it i mean it means that either the person I was rushing the document or more likely the most spelling mistakes come from is when you, when the person's designing the document and I've done it myself, you know, when you're designing that document, why you, what you said was a good suggestion is by giving it to someone else yeah. to look at, 
they pick up the things you don't see because when you're designing the document, your brain does this weird thing where you skim the words and it's wrong, but you in your head, you read it the correct way because you're in that design mode where you're designing the sentence, but you're not paying attention to the words there. So you have to spell check and, and give it to someone that, um, that maybe doesn't know architecture because they'll be like, what the heck? What does that mean? And you're like, oh, typo. So I think that's a big, big, important one. Should I tell you my bugbear before we have a little interlude? Yeah, before we go to Bill. Yeah, go for it. Well, thank you, Bill. You've been patiently there. My bugbear, right, and, and is when I get a CV file that basically it will be like new CV 2021 version 2. Oh my, I don't even know who that is. You know, when you've got like three of these on your seat, on your, on your, on your computer. Yeah, I you, know. You don't even know where they are. And I know this because when I worked at Accra Larry in the house in the architecture practice, trying to process all the CVs that came in, I would just lose people sometimes. So you have to put your Jason Boyle CV.pdf, Stephen Drew CV.pdf. So I'm glad I got that off my chest. Bill, welcome so much to the stage. So good to have you here. How are you doing? Hey, hey guys. Good to be here with you all today. And nice to see you. This. Yeah, I haven't been around for a while, but uh, just been nose to the grindstone. But um, but yeah, good topic. And and uh, I've been in and out uh, listening and uh, had some calls in between. But um, But a couple of key things that when you guys were talking about it, I thought about is and especially these days with the global job market like i know years ago uh with my when my studio was based in washington dc and i had put to hire some interns and i was blown away that i had applicants from all over the world and and uh you know you have one little position and you get 500 applicants and they're from all over the world and one key thing was that you know depending where you're applying for and uh, like when you guys were discussing it and saying the paper size, if it's A4 or whatever it is. And, and, and then that's the thing of, of, okay, so where are you applying for this job? And is it A4? Is it eight and a half by 11? You know, is it because of you might be based in a different country and you're applying for a job somewhere else, or you originally were from another country, so you're used to a certain standard. So, so that's a key thing because, uh, you know, a, a employer gets the resume if it's a PDF or if it's a hard copy or whatever, and it's an odd size to them. And, you know, in a way, they're like, what am I going to do with this? Because it's, you know, it, you, you think gone are the days of physical files, but when they do interview, they are going to have a physical copy and, and then they are going to have it somewhere. So, so it, little things like that. And, and then when you guys were talking about how many pages um, in the U.S., it's always been a hardcore one page. We don't care how many years of experience <laughs> you have, if you're fresh out of school, if you're, you know, 20, 30 years in the field, put it in one page. And, and you know, nobody ever says, can it be a double-sided one page? You know, they just say one page. And so it's a key thing that if it, if it went to two or three pages, it, it, I guess it's this sort of thought in their mind that you couldn't condense it. You couldn't uh, be, uh, you know, uh, fine tuned. You couldn't design your resume. And, and so for me, at my point in my career, I remember times when I was having to submit a CV because you have a project that requires that as part of the from the client or something like that and thinking how am I going to get myself in a one page and you just get creative about it you get creative about using the margins you know and and how you fit things on the page um so a lot of little tidbits like that and and then that was hilarious Jason about your your beer uh stunt um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought you you better research what they like to drink on their beer 30, you know, because if you give them something that they think is pissed, then, you know, there you go, you know. Um, it definitely but, uh, wasn't Foster's. It definitely wasn't Foster's. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, but, you know, like, th that is a thing, though, that for me, like, say when you get 
500 CVs, you know, and, and be it that they're coming in the mail or they're coming a, an email with a PDF or, and, you know, however you do it, when you're scanning those things, like for me, I do a first round where I am just looking at them a few seconds and, and I'm marking them A, B, or C, you know, and they're going into folders of just saying, because you have 500, you got to get it down to maybe 100, then you got to get it down to 20, and then maybe five, because you're not going to interview more than a few people for the position. And, and so in a few seconds, you open their resume, you look at it, you scan it, like you guys were saying, absolutely don't want a glaring typo. You're looking at how they formatted it, because they are in architecture, and they should be knowing how to compose a page. And that's one thing is that over the years, I've seen that in architectural schooling and training, they really should have students take some sort of, of uh, graphic design or typesetting or some course like that interdisciplinary because architects are just notoriously bad about presenting themselves. And uh, so, I, you know, you scan it and you're just going on what catches your eye and do they have a cover letter? Another key thing, depending on which country you're applying in, but in the U.S. is it's always been a standard that you have to have a cover letter. And is the cover letter a second page? Uh, how does it lead you in? If you're emailing it, is can you have the email be your cover letter? What's the proper thing? You know, and that's always a tough one because you say, well, they're reading an email, but then these might be printed out. Given you know, an HR person might be sitting at a table reviewing these. So you do want a cover letter, short and sweet. And, um, and if I open a file from an applicant and I see that the cover letter in the first sentence looks like it's uh, cut and paste, then they just go in the C or D file. I'm not, you know, no thanks. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I agree. Yeah, yeah. And so, so it, it really is that first couple of seconds, I guess that's the whole thing I'm saying is, you open it up, you, you all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, that's an odd paper size. First impression, odd. Okay, is it something that impressed you or is it something that just is just complicating your day? You The cover letter, is it a cut and paste or does it appear like that they're actually applying for your job? Um, you know, you it's amazing how many you'll see that they actually made a mistake because they were copy-paste. And somewhere in the body, it says something about a different firm, you know, and you go, oh, come on, really? And <laughs> so like you guys were mentioning, you know, it's, it's always good to have a buddy like proofread if you can, because um, we'll miss those things in the thick of it. But uh, yeah, yeah, but that's, that's some of my key points. Thanks. Thanks, Bill. That's amazing. I, I agree that, and I've learned the hard way is if you're going to customize something, do it at the top and the bottom, because it definitely, if you, cust if you customize something in the middle, chances are on the next one you do it, you're going to miss it. And I think, I think you're right. I think it's a, nothing more of a turn off than reading another architecture practice. I have a friend actually that, um, um, sent out CVs and, port, uh, and portfolios to um, uh, several architectural practices. And for some reason, did them all at once, which I think is never a good idea. You should do them separately, right? But what they did as well, um, Bill and Jason, is instead of putting it in BCC, put it in CC. So all the other practices could see the other practices. And then what's even worse is, oh, like, what? yeah, yeah. Oh, and what's even worse is that my friend forgot that the list that they used from before was from the year when he looked for his job. Oh, so his current employer was in it and he sent his CV to his current employer. Oh, <laughs> they, did he, they, did he lose his job? Yeah, he, they said, well, you're looking, we'll give you four weeks. So um, that's the... I shouldn't laugh so much, but he's a good friend and they won't mind me saying it's a good sense of humor. But that's the most car crash one I've ever heard. And um, you're right. I think the danger is when you think of things like a factory, these things can get overlooked. And, and I always think that it's fine to have a core set of this is in the covering letter, this is in the CV. But you're right. You can 
it's worth customizing it a bit more for the companies you really want to work at. But then don't beat yourself up too much if you just change things a little bit for the companies. Maybe you're not aware yet. And it depends what stage you're in your career. I think if you're at the start of your career, right, you can just customize it a bit for most, you know, lots of applications because you're getting in the industry. But when you further in your career, the reality is you're probably not going to be sending your CV out to more than a handful of places, two, three, four, five, mm. when you're a senior architect, because you're just further in your career. I mean, what's your thoughts, Jason? You enjoy my friend's story then? Yeah, I did. Uh, that, that's hilarious. And uh, I, I, you'll have to let me know um, after this uh, who, who that was. <laughs> no chance. <laughs> but, <laughs> no chance, yeah. No, I, I think what, what, what I really want to know, and I would, there was two, there's, two quite, there's two things I've been thinking of while Bill was talking, um, was, um, you know, you, you have this um, time scale of like a few seconds. I think for, uh, I've spoken, I know uh, quite a few um, associate and associate partners at Foster and Partners, and they say um, they give each CV five to 10 seconds. And so, so, so it's like, I think what people, you know, listening back to this would want to know is like what makes that CV stand out? And and I, I understand it's a very, very tricky thing to kind of explain. So that there's that. And then, um, and I know there's like a sweet spot in terms of um, web advertising where you, you sort of, I think it's the top right corner um, where people kind of focus on and that's the most expensive um, advertising part. So there's that question. And then the other one is like, I really want to know like what are the, the, the no-nos about what you shouldn't put on your CV? Like, you know, should you put your hobbies on or should you put, um, I don't know, some people put their date of birth on, which I wouldn't think you would, you should do that now. But, you know, what? so they're, they're two questions. I'd be interested, Stephen and Bill, what you think about them. Sure. I'm happy to jump in and then, Bill, you let me know your thoughts. But Bill had some, uh, said something which I resonated towards. Is when you open the CV, is the CV, are you fighting the CV or are you not? And so I think, Jason, if you're fighting to read that CV for, for whatever reason, it's becoming difficult. The reality is you're going to tune out quicker. And I think you're right. So in recruitment world, I will look at the CV. And in five seconds, I got a first impression. And if that first impression is decent, then I give it another five to 10 seconds. And then if that impression goes well, I don't pick up any spellings. And then I zoom in and I get, I kind of start uh, peeling the layers back. And that really, really helps. And that really, really, um, you basically you keep buying time, but it's, it's that first impression that really does matter. The other tip I was going to add quickly is um i always look at the graph a top tip is if there's a practice in particular that you really like to look at chances are they might have designed an access statement in the public realm jason so you can quickly look at the graphic design of the documents they make it's not a bad idea uh, kind of yeah. emulating yeah. little styles but injecting your own that could work quite well um so there's there's a variety of things. I mean, Bill, if you're here, um, feel free to jump in on any thoughts you have on that. Otherwise, I can keep on going. Yeah, I, I, one thing that uh, in line with that on the page that um, before you guys mentioned about vertical, horizontal, and, and uh, you know, and, and in that sense of like when you first glance, um, it, depending on, you know, I guess in, in business, things are usually, uh, uh, vertically, uh, set and, and the idea if it, if it's horizontal and landscape, then it should quickly read like, so the person isn't like flopping the page around or saying, Oh, it's sideways. You know what I mean? And, and, uh, and then I think as far as like what I was saying about condensing to one page or trying to, um, one thing I found is the idea of, you know, how when you have uh, references uh, and they'll put references uh, available on, upon request or sometimes uh, they'll require you to put a reference and you don't want to give people your reference information before you know if they're even considering you. That's one like tug of war with CVs, resumes that uh, I've experienced from both sides. And 
So, so when back when I was submitting resumes to stuff, CVs that what I would do is I would incorporate one or two or three real brief quotes from either a client or somebody in the industry, the trade, you know, about me. And, and it was in a finer, a smaller font in within the page, uh, typeset within the page. And I found that that went over really well. Um, cause it's sort of like when you're reading an article in a magazine and it will have that, uh, quote or something in a smaller font, like set it into the article and, uh, and it sort of just gives a bullet point of interest. Um, so that's, that's another key point for me. Mm, I think that's a good, I've never, I've never that's actually seen one. that with the, the, the quotes, but I think that's amazing. I quite like it because yeah, it's like a Google review or a LinkedIn recommendation. It carries a lot of weight. I think um, when you were talking about all that, there was a few things that were coming into my head. I think that the other bit that um, is important and open to interpretation, you mentioned the references when there's always that ambiguous thing. But also I think software is incredibly hard to kind of simulate in the CV. And I always find that, I, I people can go either way so i think it's always difficult to say okay i know autocad i know Revit. okay you can just say the words fine and then i kind of try to deduct how much you know that by all your experience on the cv but then the other bit i find interesting is how do you how do you illustrate if you've done it a lot and i always say to people but the length of time that you've used the software for that generally works quite well um because um, excellent in AutoCAD is extremely open to interpretation. And I've seen BIM managers who define them themselves as moderate at Reddit. And I've heard people that are whiz and you give them a, a test and they, they're excellent in Revit and suddenly they score 30%, right? So software is really open to interpretation. And the other bit that, that I find maddening is uh, this there's like this bright idea of saying oh well you know what i'm not going to say the names of the software i'm going to put the logos of the software on them and not even have the text sometimes and so oh, no yeah no. and little old me i kind of know the r is for the Revit, right but in the go i'm guessing the grasshopper would be the grasshopper but when you've got stuff like lumian's logo which is a blue tree and stuff I know that now, but chances are not many people know it. And I think it's what, like Bill was saying, you're making it difficult for the reader to understand. So I think while a nice idea in essence is bad execution, and I think you shouldn't do that. Have you seen logos and stuff like that on CVs, Jason, or anything that in your head you've seen people do and you thought, oh my goodness, that's a bad idea? Yeah, I think... I think um, I, I haven't seen the logos on, but you, I, well, I want to. I definitely do want to come back to the first thing you said about software skills, you know, and people, and this open to interpretation. Because um, you know, I mean, I mean, for where where I work, um, it's it's like it's essential. Um, so you you have to be able to use, um, you know, we use um, we Autodesk's Revit. Um, and you, you know, I I need someone to to be able to use that, um, you know, in, in to a, to to a very high degree because of um, the projects that we're working on, and it's and and then people people will actually um, not be truthful with that, and they get found out so quickly. And obviously, you've got you've got to understand is there's a um, with with most employees, you know, most employers they'll have a sort of time period where, you know, um, you're on a probationary period. So, so, you know, for me, it's always best to be as truthful as possible. I know it's very, very hard because you're trying to sell yourself, but you know, you will, you will, I think it's best to be open and honest and say, you know, I, I haven't got this great level of experience, but I'm, I'm, I'm willing to, um, you know, work, work, maybe work some extra hours in my own time, just, to, just to um, upskill, you know, and that, and that's maybe a controversial thing these days, you know, but, um, you know, it, but some, some architects will offer training, and I think that's great as well. I think, uh, and I think that should happen, um, you know. The, what the worst thing I've seen 
um, and I think it's worth pointing out at this stage, is um, people actually lying whether whether they're an architect or not. And we've had that. I've had that in my company, and I just simply, as soon as I get someone I'm interested in, I type their name into Architects Registration Board in the UK, um, and I can see whether they're an architect or not. And and if if um, if the CV comes in, and they have claimed that they're, they're an architect and they're not on the register, I'll go and report them straight away. Oh, I'm amazed that happens. That's mad. I I saw one. Oh, it does happen. It does. You know, there was only one time I saw that when I was working at EPR Architects where there was a contractor who came in and after two or three weeks, um, <laughs> he, he wasn't an architect. It was like probably this guy going around just conning everyone in this elaborate scheme. And you're thinking like, who does that? Never even went to like um, architecture university, just completely made it up. And of course, when, when they found out that was the end, it was out the door. And um, with the chap straight away <laughs> removed from the premises. Um, but, uh, yeah, like lying on CVs. Let's talk. Let me expand upon. Yeah, one. that's a good. Yeah, it's a good thing. Well, maybe it's a, a different subject for a different day. But I'll be interested from you, Stephen and Bill, mm. before you go on about you know what's the worst lies you've seen. Anyway, carry Ooh, on. Worst worst lies. I was going to say though, and maybe that would be a good one for another day, especially if we all have a beer here or whatever. But what I was going to say is, everyone worries about gaps in their CV sometimes, and I had a really good friend not an architect, but the principal um, still applies. And he went for two years motorcycling. Massive gap, right? But on his CV, when he updated it, he said, for two years, I was a motorcyclist who crossed Europe, and then he listed all the countries he'd been. And instead of kind of feeling sheepish about it, just, you know, basically held it up, had to highest to everyone and said, this is where I've been for two years. I can't pretend I was working. I was enjoying Europe. I worked for five years before I saved up and had a really good time. And actually that went over as a conversation piece in the interview. And I think that gaps in your CV are absolutely fine, especially any like um, mothers here, which have had a family, you have to be pulled away from architecture. And I think architecture is going in the right direction um, but, you know, I've seen people struggle with that before or almost embarrassed for having a family. And, and it's a shame that they felt that way. But it's it's completely normal for these certain incidents to happen or life occasions, which should be celebrated. So whether you're traveling or if you've had a personal emergency or anything, you can bring it up and you can talk about a gap. Obviously, if you've got gaps every six or seven months, Jason, you know, you're kind of taking three, four months off. There might be a pattern there where someone will want to talk about, right? Mm. But I think that one or two years or going traveling is something that you can add. And maybe that could even go into activities. And one thing I was going to say, the last bit I was going to say here before, Jason, you can, you know, open the room out, or we can change conversation, whatever you want, is. You mentioned activities at the end of hobbies. Now, I think, say, you know, you're doing an architecture podcast or you run in a clubhouse room because we're on clubhouse. Great. Put it on. Talk about what you're doing. But I always laugh when people put in hobbies like music and movies because it's like, well, no shit. I love movies and music, but that shouldn't make it to the CV, right? You need So try to think about something which is a little bit more intrinsic with the industry so it can be yes. create it can be creative kind of it can be like um or it can be it can be philanthropy or it can be fundraising it can be helping people out you know you can get involved in a lot of charities good causes they don't even need to be architectural it can be like your local community or like chess club is interesting or say now you like martial arts cool put it down if you're a jujitsu great um, you know, or, or anything like that. Maybe you're a DJ or a VJ in or whatever, whack that in. But when it comes to stuff like, oh, I, I, I enjoy classical music and uh, watching Amazon Prime, that's not good enough. You know, it's like you've got to think about what, what is there. And if you don't have anything, it's nothing to get embarrassed about. Because I remember when I did my first CV, I was like, oh, gosh, what can I put in there? I work in Waitrose. What, what, can, I, what can I put on there? But you can start building it up. So if anyone's here going, oh, my goodness, I've got 
no, I've just been on Spotify and Netflix. Well, don't worry about it. I've done it too, but you've got to start getting those things and getting involved. And, and the more you get involved in this stuff, so say now you're interested in parametric design. If you go to like local um, meetups, you, A, you could make some friends where you have common interests and you love parametric design and all that stuff, but you can get noticed for that. And in time, jobs come to you. So, get out there and do stuff and get involved. And generally nothing negative comes out of it and you grow as character as a person. And when I kind of see lots of this stuff on your CV, you know, people's involved in an architectural charity or they've, or they, 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 they love their artwork and they've got their own website. It's really interesting. And you click there and you can go there. And I think it really builds up character and it kind of paints that picture on the CV of the person that's going to be operating the Revit and the BIM, the person that you want to be in the office next to and you're going to spend a lot of time with. So I, I thought I'd you know, end my point on that, Jason. And it's up to you then if you've got any more questions or you want to open the room up or have a chat with Bill, really. Well, yeah, I, I think I think what you know what you've said makes uh, makes a lot of sense, and you know, I think the CV the CV is is, is a great sort of starting point, and it it it, it it's got to it's got to really um, serve that purpose of um, you know getting getting that interview, doesn't it? You know that that's what you're sending in for. And Bill was saying, you know, writing that I believe in writing a cover letter as we call it in the UK, um, you know, so you, you, you keep it again to one page um, because that's a bit of a narrative about who you are and, and why you want this position, never cut and paste. You've got to adapt each one. That That's where you put the legwork. Your CV obviously can be, it can be tweaked to certain companies, um, but, you know, it, it's um, generally you, you, you sort of letter um, you know, your letter to that practice should be very, very specific, um, you know, and tailored to that practice. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, there was a few things I was, I was going to mention, but I think, um, I think we've, I think we've covered most of the, most of the sort of salient points here. Um, I guess, I guess what people probably want to know, Bill, is there anything you want to add before? Yeah, I was going yeah, to uh, chime in that the point on the gap in, resume cvs um you know everything in life is how you spin it and how you package it so and the concern about a gap in your uh you know if you had a year or two that you're out of architectural practice um that's called a sabbatical you know and then it's it's a, a research sabbatical or and it because whatever you were doing for that time period it still affects who you are and your knowledge base and and so it's how you package it. So if you were off a year traveling or doing something else and it might be considered frivolous, then our privilege, you know, or it, it was a sabbatical. And, and, and then if, when it's viewed in those eyes, it's, com it's completely a different scenario, you know, because it's viewed as something that enriches the, the person or their knowledge. Uh, I had one uh, back in the day that, you know, I was traveling. And so for me, it was, and because my work focuses on um, food and shelter, so, you know, so housing and hospitality and uh, food and beverage uh, architecture. And so in mine, it said, you know, uh, a traveling sabbatical uh, with research on, uh, you know, food and shelter in this, you know, these regions or countries, yada, yada. And, uh, and it went over so well. And um, another thing I'll mention is that little things that are just little nuggets from your, uh, you know, your college days or your younger days that it's just to see like which ones will, will catch somebody's eye. Like, for instance, me, something that when I was a kid, you know, you're as a child, you're a uh, young boy and you were a Cub Scout, a Weeblo, a Boy Scout. And, you know, the highest ranking in Boy Scouts is an Eagle Scout. And so it, it's just one bullet point on my resume, Eagle Scout. And it blew me away that I would get a call and all the person would ask is, okay, so you went to this university. Yes. You're an Eagle Scout. Yes. Can you come in on Monday? And 
so certain things that you know certain accolades or achievements like that you just put it in a in a bullet point in there and it will register or the person seeing that resume will relate to it maybe they went through the same uh you know regiment and they can relate to it or they just have heard of it and so and that just happened to be one of the ones that garners a ton of respect you know and they they see it as that you're disciplined you know so so that's another key one. Oh, that's a good point, isn't it? That sort of uh, discipline of being a, a scout when you were younger. Yeah, I get, I get that. Yeah, I, I, I think I was just going to add as well. If you, um, if you're a student and this is your first job, because we are, we are trying to help, um, because people in the UK and I think probably also around the world are graduating, um, this summer. It, it's you know, including like if you're a student rep or you've joined the society, like a local architect society um, and being involved with any of them activities, because, um, you know, I'm, Manch- I'm, I'm part of the Manchester Society of Architects, which is the biggest um, or one of the oldest societies of architects in the world. And, you know, being part of that as a student member looks great on your CV. And you've already gotten to know most um, of the architects in in the sort of area where, where that society is, that can be a great, a great advantage and looks good on your CV. Um, so that I just wanted to add that one in Stephen and Bill. Excellent. I think it's great. And uh, look, another, I know it, all these thoughts are coming in at the last minute, Jason, but in terms of role and responsibility as well, when, when you get more experience in the future, that I think as Bill said at the start, you don't want to waffle on. And the, I try, I think in the CV, as again, as Bill said, is about being literal, it's about being factual. And yes, you can talk about your aspirations, but in terms of your role or responsibilities, and again, what we talk about when we talked about a bit earlier, Jason, the software, you need to be somewhat factual. So I always advise people, say now on their first or second job, once you've done that under the belt, you need to paint the picture of the type of projects that you've worked on, residential, large scale, based in London, based in, I don't know, New York, wherever. You've got to be very literal. And in the, in the UK, you would talk about the RAPA stages, you know, was it in design, was it in construction, what your role and responsibilities are. And, and you'd be amazed that sometimes I think people don't paint the picture really well. They don't really even say what sector sometimes the projects were on. And it's all about visualizing. And I think actually being on Clubhouse is a really good example of that because these um, the, the portfolio is going to have the beautiful pictures that are going, going to um, visualize the the projects and people will get a sense of depth and scale. But at the same time, especially in develop in development, there is, there's no portfolios. Architects that go then to developers, there is no portfolios. And that CV has to paint a picture. And therefore, you have to illustrate to the reader the size of the projects, your role, your responsibilities. And the problem is if you're waffling or you don't give any detail, you're kind of you lose that imagination of the the reader who can then visualize it because that's what it's all about. As you said, Jason, the name of the game of the CV is to get an interview, right? And then in the interview, it's for you to give a convey in the room to get that you are the right person for the job. Chances are someone's invited you for an interview. They think you probably should be um, all right for the role and that they want to give up an hour of their time to see you. And I think that, the the chances are if you in vague or if you waffle on in the descriptions, then if the imagination's not going, then that person can't match it to their current situation because that really is what a, 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 an interview is. You need someone who can work on your team if you're hiring that you believe is the right person to do the role that you need on your team. And if you can visualize that you've worked on large buildings, and if I'm hiring for someone to manage a large building, when I read that, I think, oh, okay, this person, she's going to be amazing. Or potentially could be an awesome fit. We'll invite them in. So I think it, it really helps to be literal and visual about role and responsibilities. I don't, I don't know if anyone wants to add to that point or we can um, scooby-dooby on um, Jason. Do we need to put nuclear no. buildings for you to get hired by you? Or are you quite open to mixed use and commercial? 
Yeah, I mean, there's again that we we have that issue of like you know people probably say, oh, well, how do I get into nuclear when I've got no nuclear experience? But we we would um, look for um, problem solving skills, mm. so you know, um, and behavioral qualities as well. But also, if you've got you've designed buildings, maybe large industrial or pharmaceutical or hospital um, sort of um, projects, that that would be their transferable skills. So you can you could you could make that very clear, you know, that you know in in your cover letter to say, well, you know, I haven't worked on nuclear projects, but I've got a real interest and in, keen interest in learning about how how to design nuclear facilities. Um, but I have got these transferable skills from other industries, um, and and that that comes across really well um, uh, for me. And that and what we took on, I think three three or four people with them transferable skills with no nuclear experience and, mm. and, and that, so it does work there you go because the, the person illustrated things that you could relate to and those skills you'll add so i mean thanks for illustrating that now i'm really i'm quite i think we've covered a lot of ground and cvs and like everything is some of these things that we, you, it's hard to summarize within an hour but i really appreciate jason the points that you've raised then and bill i really appreciate you coming to the stage as well and um sharing your thoughts so bill just before we kind of wind down the room and everything where can people want to kind of pick your brains on this or want to get in touch with other things where do we find you bill online at the moment yeah um yeah on my profile it's, it's got all my info and uh and i always tell people that and since, I guess in an informal sense, since it's coming from Clubhouse, that if they ping me on, on Instagram, then it's, uh, I know that it's where they're coming from, you know, and uh, as opposed to just emailing and it, it gets into, you know, the middle of everything else. So, so Instagram, just ping me on, uh, you know, a DM on Instagram and, you know, or even on here, you know, it's great now that you can message on here and, and I check those very frequently um, so, so either way, that's a great way to reach out to me. And, and if anybody, if it was a student that's preparing stuff or, you know, or anybody, anybody that has any interest in architecture or anything creative, then, uh, I'm always interested. Amazing. You're absolute gentleman. Thank you, Bill Lucy. You've been an absolute star. My soundboard doesn't work, but I'll give a, a real round of applause for that. And Jason, I really appreciate you being here as well. So Jason, uh, can you tell us where people can find you and what you've got going on with the Global Arctics Alliance over the next few yeah. weeks? Yeah, you can contact me on my, on my website, uh, globalarcticsalliance.com um, or LinkedIn. And again on Clubhouse, and um, yeah, I think we're all on we're all on Twitter and uh, Instagram, um, and that that them sort of links are on my Clubhouse profile. So yeah, it's um, I, I want to know what we're talking about next week. Ah, uh, well, I think as we talk about CVs, I think we'll attempt. And I'm not sure we can do this in an hour, but we'll attempt if it's cool with you, Jason, to talk about the portfolio. I was thinking. Which is yes. which is the sidekick of the CV, right? If the if the if the I think if the um, <laughs> if the in the analogy of the building, if the if the CV is kind of the foundation, then the portfolio is everything around it, right? Because the portfolio and there's two portfolios in my head. There's the portfolio that you send with your application, the shorter one kind of the best hits and then there's the portfolio in person maybe even jason we split that down and we talk about first of all the portfolio that you send with the cv and then the differences in the portfolio in an interview because i yeah. think that they're similar but very different um objectives if that makes sense yes yeah yeah, yeah you might even touch on the idea of uh you know I guess backing up to the portfolio that you applied mm. to your educational program and then how that rolls forward into your first job uh, application portfolio. And because that's one thing that I think architects, uh, people in the architecture field drop the ball on is, is, you know, and I'm guilty as anyone is just carrying your portfolio along with your experience through the years of updating it, uh, 
every few years and same way like these days like i could i laugh at myself and say my website was done in i don't know maybe 2006 and it hasn't been updated and because you get to a point in your career where you don't need to update it but you do need to update it so portfolio <laughs> i think it's like from when you applied to schools to when you're getting your first jobs and then even when you're in the profession of updating it very good point. I think uh, that's definite food for thought. So uh, I like that. Jason, we've got our thinking to do as Bill has put a good ratchet in the works there of how we yes, can yes. a fresh spin on it because you're right. So just say, let's talk about portfolios in the in an hour can be tricky so we will do that but so thank you so much bill for joining us and jason really appreciate you collaborating with me on this we will be back next week on the wednesday it was meant to be a wednesday but i picked the <laughs> wrong was. day and jason's luckily knows me enough that i he knows what i'm like it's not intentional i'm just crazily um manically running around but i'll calm myself down we will schedule it for Wednesday at 7 o'clock next week in the UK. So that is British Standards Time. Um, so I, we will get that schedule. We will talk about the portfolios. And um, I look forward to seeing you all there. Thank you all. And I think we'll close the room now. Thank you again, Bill, for joining me. And thank you, Jason. Have a good evening, everyone. I really appreciate you joining us. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Take Pleasure care. Pleasure being with you guys. Take care. Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye.